We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to RotoWire's Monday NBA DFS podcast. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me today is Ben Miller. Ben, Wisconsin beat Villanova, advancing to what feels like their 17th straight, Sweet 16. What do you think about on Wisconsin? I mean, that was a huge win, taking down the top overall seed of the whole tourney. Um, you know, we got disrespected with that eight seed, but it turned out to be more, you know, worse for Villanova. I mean, yeah, they, had, true. they had to take a team, take on a team that that's proven has four guy four seniors that have played in like four sweet 16s already like, yeah it's exactly crazy i mean this is an nba podcast but at the same time when you have uh an upset like this we have to talk about a little bit i feel like oh, so, espe- yeah. yeah especially when you're from that state like, exactly you, you gotta give it some love I, I i thought for certain that the badgers were gonna get knocked out or at least yeah. lose to villanova right and, and that was gonna be fine i disagreed with their eight seed and the I don't want to say benefit. Um, the the bad seed was the direct result of having to face a number one seed. Yeah, I thought the Badgers were good this year, so don't get me wrong. But the fact that they were in that position, based off the poor seeding, was the reason I thought they were going to lose. That being said, if you would have told me that Ethan Happ and uh, Koenig were going to be out uh, with like four plus fouls, yeah, in the second half, I thought for sure we'd get blown out. They they managed to rally through all of that. Yeah, and and then when those two guys did come back and they both hit huge shots, I know Koenig in that late in that second half, he had a that three from the corner that was huge. Yeah, a bunch of bunch of plays right at the end that you know as soon as he came back in, he, he played right up to standards. But yeah, those reserves really kept us kept us in the game because I, I for sure like like we mentioned before that you know if 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 I thought they were sitting out for so long, um, I I, I would have thought we'd lose by twenty twenty five thirty. Like it, Villanova's not a bad team. So um, when when you lose your top guys, you you definitely expect it to lose pretty hard so that was that was a surprising game and I, I loved it do you feel like Nigel Hayes could be a decent NBA player I mean we saw him actually make some critical plays at the end to get uh Wisconsin over Villanova he's he's been always on the cusp 
And I mean, when he first came out, I was like, maybe he's a top 10 pick. And I feel like he's significantly fallen off the bar. But you could see him make some plays in the post in particular. Do you think that he could be a, a solid enough NBA player? Well, he's he's received a, a ton of flack over the season. And I would say that last layup kind of redeemed his whole season for me. Um, no, but in regards to NBA-wise, I, I see him as like a late second-round pick at best. I I think because he doesn't shoot so consistently from the outside, like he... I mean, he like we we said he's he's so good in the post. He's got great post moves. He's powerful. Mm-hmm. He can draw fouls nonstop. But he just can't shoot the ball that well from outside. He's just not consistent enough. I think that's something that the NBA almost requires from from guys at the three or the four. And you know he's not huge, so it's not like you know sometimes he's going to have to play you know small four. And I don't know if he can even play defense on those guys. So um, I, I don't love the chances of him sticking on a team. Maybe you know you know a team takes a flyer on him for a year tries to develop him and and sees you know sees if he can do that but I, I don't love him and you know when you can't shoot free throws either that's that's only another check that's like oh man I, do we want to take a risk on this guy his game doesn't translate very well does it? i mean no. he, he he is great in the post and he yeah, can get fantastic. those fouls i mean that, he's he's so good at baiting his opposition into there and then getting those three-point plays and he has a pretty good finish around the rim that's a skill that you can definitely use and, and see it translate into the NBA. But you're right when you say that he, he can't really even shoot the mid-range, much less, yeah. much less a three-point thing. Now, maybe that can be taught. I, I don't know. I'm not really always a proponent of that. I think that there's a lot of other skills and uh, like like even game plan stuff that you want to teach your players besides actually getting them to like have a uh, three-point range. But we've seen like with DeMarcus Cousins and other yeah. bigger guys that they've been able to develop. My, my thing is that Nigel Hayes might not be quick enough to even cover some of his position, just like what you're yeah. saying. And then the fact that he is a senior, he's a little bit older as right. compared to right. some of these yeah. prospects. Yep. You put him in the D League, okay, great. He'll be able to develop those skills. But by the time he's actually a competent uh, NBA player, what you deem to be competent, I don't want to dis, like, dis, like, uh, dis right. actual night. No, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I wonder if it's just too much of a reclamation project at that point yeah i I just don't think teams are gonna be willing to try and put that much effort into that guy i don't think he has enough upside for a team wanting to take you know a risk and say you know let's try and develop this guy um i i just yeah i don't think his upside's there and i guess maybe if he can all all of a sudden you know start just drilling three pointers but it's hard to see that happening within you know three four months so um i I think that's gonna be tough for him to, to, to even stick on a roster we talked last Wednesday's podcast about our final four predictions. Uh, I was talking myself up a little bit as far as my <laughs> my March Madness bravado and how yeah. I was able to make some good picks the last couple of years. Doing all right with that. I think my only final four team that I've lost so far has been Duke. Um, but I read somewhere that of the 19 million or 18 million brackets submitted to ESPN, eight and a half million had Duke in the final four. So the fact that they lost, I. I I don't feel that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you have for your your championship game? I had UCLA and Arizona okay. with Arizona winning. Nice. Yeah. So I, I I stuck with Duke to win it all, and I've honestly never been so happy to watch my team. <laughs> like my, I've never seen, I've never been so happy to see my bracket just fail completely. Um, so that was awesome. Like, yeah. Usually I'm sad when you know my my bracket goes to crap, but this was that, yesterday was a great day. I do have I, – I hate myself. I was listening to Jay Billis on Mike and Mike the day of uh, submitting brackets. That, had been, that would have been Wednesday. Yeah. And yeah. prior to that, I had Michigan going all the way to the Elite Eight. So I had them beating uh, Louisville. Yeah. And I had them – I'm not even sure. I think I actually have them beating whoever they're playing now. Oregon, yeah. Yeah, I had them beating Oregon to go to the Elite Eight. And Billis was talking up Michigan, or talk, I'm sorry, talking down Michigan, saying how bad they were. They weren't going to do very well. And I took them out of my bracket. I, I had oh, them winning. Man. I had yeah. them winning the first one, and then losing losing to Louisville. Is that 
does that happen to you often where – I mean, I'm not even talking about DFS, but you hear advice from somebody else, whether bracket stuff or in this case DFS. You hear advice from me, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take my guy out, and then he ends up going off. Like how often do you feel like that happens? To me, it feels like an everyday thing. It, does, it feels like it happens a lot, but I think, I think that's just because the times it does happen, you just get so frustrated. That's probably a good like way when, when your guy actually yeah. goes off, it's, you know, it's great. But um, yeah, I do feel like that does happen a lot where you're like, oh. like I, I had Xavier over Maryland in the first round originally but i switched it right at the end and you know someone was talking about how xavier had someone who was injured yeah and, yeah yeah and everything like that so i, I end up flipping maryland and that that came back to bite me now xavier's head back to the sweet 16 as well so i mean yeah that's the same thing that happens to me all the time but um, i think it's just more prominent because we get so angry when we actually do switch out <laughs> that's a probably good a good point yeah you know it's kind of like a, a fallacy at that point where you're seeing it you just you pick out the instances where it happens often. You don't think yeah. about the instances where it doesn't. Exactly. I mean, when when we're doing the preparation for this podcast, I'm reading three or four different articles. I'm kind of putting together uh, different opinions from different people that I really value for DFS purposes, and they'll normally sway me in one direction when my gut's saying, "Oh yeah, let's go this direction." I'm curious, like it just, it feels like that happens often, but maybe that's just a situation that happens for everyone. I hope that, I hope that we, when we are doing this podcast, aren't the negative influencers (laughs) for people putting together (laughs) defense stuff or positive influencers. Um, But I I guess maybe we can, we can get feedback on Twitter and we would find out that we are in fact the negative guys, but yeah, I get yelled at. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let's go ahead and just move on into the actual DFS portion of this podcast. Monday sees just seven games today. This is nice. We've been seeing 10, 11, uh, past couple weeks now, but seven games. I think it actually provides an interesting dynamic to the slate because we're seeing a variety of high-priced guys. And when we talk high-priced, we mean high-priced. Yeah, yep. And then a lot of mid-tier, a little bit lower guys. It'll be interesting to put together the lineups. Um, but let's go ahead and get over the perfect lineup for Sunday's games. We saw Damian Lillard against the Heat at 8,700 and D'Angelo Russell against the Cavaliers at 5,900. We saw Buddy Heald, the shooting guard, going against the Spurs at 4,400. Buddy! Buddy Heald! <laughs> Your man! Then, yeah, my man! And then Catavius <laughs> Caldwell-Pope going against the Suns at 4,600 at small uh, at, uh, shooting guard. At small forward, we saw TJ Warren against the Pistons at 6,500 and LeBron James against the Lakers at 12,000 uh, for the perfect lineup last night. And then James Johnson against the Trailblazers, 5,900, and Rashawn Holmes against the Celtics at 4,800. Those are your two power forwards for the perfect lineup last night. And finally, Al Horford rounds out the perfect lineup last night. He was going against the 76ers at 6,900 for his price tag. Any takeaways from that, Ben? I'd say D'Angelo Russell's name pops out right away for me. He had 40 points, six assists, and I think that was just over 54 FanDuel points. Um, you know, Luke Walton's kind of been messing around with their with their lineups lately. Um, you know, even Russell even came off the bench for I think two or three games over the last two weeks or so. So I, I know there was definitely some fantasy owners that were panicking a bit, you know. Um, but but he's back in the back in the starting lineup yesterday, getting uh, getting some run alongside Jordan Clarkson. So that's that's a bit different, and I think. Um, Walton did like what they what they performed. I'm not last sure why night. they haven't been experimenting with that. Right. Yeah. So, I guess with Lou Williams around, that you wanted him to be in there, especially at the bench units. But after that trade, I was initially thinking it's got to be more Russell and Clarkson right. because I don't know if they know if Clarkson's a, a a piece yet for their future. And I, Nick Young's not, so it just absolutely it just, right. It just makes no sense. I don't know. I, I mean, Clarkson's getting a bunch of time off the bench, but yeah, I think. Uh, with how well Russell played, I think we're going to see Clarkson and Russell, you know, kind of the rest of the season be paired in that backcourt. With so many one and two guards coming into the draft this year, I don't know why they weren't doing this sooner. Yeah. That was my frustration. So I, I, I 
to be completely honest, I honestly thought they were doing that more. I thought Clarkson was was seeing a little bit more time together and coming off the bench. So one year, when you were saying that earlier, um, even before this podcast, I had to like scratch my head that why wasn't this tried sooner? <laughs> right. Know? And it's it's actually funny because they're, they're always so linked with Lonzo Ball out of UCLA too. So that's just going to, I mean, if they draft him, that's even more bodies in that backcourt. That's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they try and play that. So yeah, um, yeah who knows? What, what else did you see in that, that perfect lineup? Well, I think that the biggest takeaway for me is Buddy. I mean, I, I kind of <laughs> said when I was running it through, I love it. We got our uh, Buddy healed back of the night, literally locking in himself <laughs> into the perfect lineup. Yeah. Um, with the trade to the Kings, it's, we've kind I've been just waiting for him to have the breakup moment, and he's gradually gotten there. I wouldn't even call this a breakup moment. I mean, no, it's 34 no. FanDuel points. His price tag was 4,400, so that's about seven times the value, and that's nice. But when we have uh, healed playing and he's at that price tag, I'm going to be putting him in my lineup most nights. I think he's a great safety option for the shooting guard spot with a high upside, and you don't see a lot of those for 4,400. If he starts getting closer to the 5,000s, then he's going to be more of a, well, not a lock of the night, but a, hmm, I have to scratch my head lock of the night. Yeah, and the Kings Probably have, too long. Yeah, the Kings have been doing some weird stuff with resting players, too. I mean, they're out of the playoffs, but right. they're still resting a bunch of guys. I don't know what they're doing. Um, but, yeah, that gives that gives guys like Heald an advantage, too, when you get those extra minutes on the wing. So, yeah, I definitely, definitely got to check into it. They got to go full tank. The Kings do. Like, I just, right. they have so many veterans on the team. They've done this for so long. They have that new stadium now. Why not go full tank? Let's, let's do a 76ers Western version of it and go full tank mode. I think that they might actually have a better chance of succeeding, especially with DeMarcus Cousins gone now. Probably, yeah. I think it's definitely better that Cousins is no longer there. Their ownership is just horrible, though, so... Um, that's that's going to be a problem. I suppose they don't have the first round picks either. They've probably traded yeah. those away. I'm thinking even just the, this year, the reason that they're doing this is because they traded away in a horrible deal to get Nick Stauskas and uh, <laughs> like off that. Like, yeah, you know, just, yeah. I don't understand. Well, we'll move past the Kings. We'll get into the actual DFS portion of it. We have the seven game slate, like I mentioned earlier. We see the Hawks and Hornets start things off at seven o'clock Eastern time. Sixers Magic seven o'clock Eastern time and Jazz Pacers seven o'clock Eastern time. That's then followed by the Wizards Celtics seven thirty Eastern time. Warriors Thunder are going to be a great matchup even with Kevin Durant out. Eight o'clock Eastern time. Nuggets Rockets a nice fantasy matchup for eight o'clock Eastern time. And then rounding out the seven game slate will be the Knicks and Clippers at ten thirty Eastern time. Before we get down to the injuries, let's get a word from our sponsors, FanDuel. Baseball is just around the corner. I actually just finished a uh, like eight hour keeper <laughs> league uh, dynasty kind of league for for RotoWire, a baseball. It was it was tough. It was really long, and yeah. I was very thankful to have uh, the RotoWire magazine and a subscription with that. I, I could check out all the information with the RotoWire, um, and you can get that just um, by subscribing with FanDuel here. I mean, you get your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free sixth month RotoWire subscription. You can use the magazine too. You can get fanduel.com uh, slash RotoWire to get all this. Uh, you, you do have to be a fan, new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. And users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. I loved using the RotoWire stuff for my draft. Uh, the problem was that I was playing against a whole bunch of other RotoWire people too. So we were all kind of <laughs> using the same thing. <laughs> I think we were all way too successful or uh, not successful at all. I guess we'll have to find out yeah, at the end of the year. That is true. In, in due time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's break down the notable injuries for Monday's NBA DFS slate. We'll start with the Hawks and Hornets. A big injury right away to note. Paul Millsap 
will be out for at least the next two games of the knee injury. That means Ersan Ilyasova, your boy, is going to be in line to get that start. He's a trade deadline acquisition for the Hawks, and he's going to pay off dividends at least for the next couple couple games or so. Yeah, absolutely love that play. He's going to start. He's going to get starters minutes. He's a guy that's with the Sixers before. He was he was one of those guys that was in the 5600s yep. you know, when he started. So when you can get him at a cheaper price um, because of the injury here, it's going to be a great play. Another injury to note, and I like this one quite a bit, Kent Bazemore will be out. He's going to be reevaluated in seven, seven to ten days with a knee injury. That means that Tim Hardaway is going to get more time. In fact, he's going to get the start at shooting guard against the Hornets. Hardaway's been a guy I like to use a lot as a mid-tier shooting guard option. He's a high-profile scoring guy, and then when he can contribute to the other categories, that's when you know you got a good night cooking. So, I love the fact that we're seeing even more minutes for Hardaway. Yeah, he he's had a bunch of starts this season already, and he, he's had plenty of success when he's done that. So you, you got to love the fact that he's had previous success, and he's still decently priced. Um, so when he's going to get those huge minutes with no Bazemore, I mean, you got to love that as well. On the Hornets side, we see Miles Plumley out with a calf injury, and then Johnny O'Brien will be a game-time decision with an ankle injury. The 76ers' magic will have Jaleel Okafor potentially as a game-time decision. He's got knee soreness going on. We could see Rashawn Holmes getting the start at the center spot. Justin Anderson is a doubtful with an illness. And then Jody Meeks on the magic side will be playing with the thumb injury. But he's he's kind of fallen off as a DFS option, honestly, altogether. Yeah, yeah. So definitely one to look out for will be the Jaleel Okafor injury news. And I think that'll probably come a little before tip-off. So we'll kind of have an idea if Rashawn Holmes is the guy we want to target. Yeah, you, you got to like when you have those games at the the first game of the, right. of the night because that, that clears up any injury situation. You're not really risking your lineup. And, you know, with Holmes, it's, that's that's a guy who's also, like, you know, the other guys we were just talking about, have he's had production in the past that's that's been successful in DFS lineups. So uh, I think he, he's another guy to, to potentially target depending on, you know, Okafor's availability. Jazz Pacers lineup sees Rodney Hood as a game-time decision. He's missed the last two games with a knee injury. And Derek Favors is a game-time decision. Uh, he's also missed the last couple of games with a knee injury. The Jazz have went smaller with a couple of those guys out. We've seen Joe Ingles get the start in place of Rodney Hood. And we've seen even Joe Johnson get a small forward spot. And then Gordon Hayward come in as a four with Derek Favors out. Um, and then Shelvin Mack is a game-time decision with the ankle injury for the Jazz as well. I think it's interesting to note if we do, in fact, see Ingles in the lineup again, I don't know what the Jazz, I mean, they're in the thick of things with the Western Conference. They're definitely going to have a playoff spot locked up. It's just a matter of seeding, so they'll want to play their guys. But I wonder if they don't rest them again against a, a Pacers team that's kind of been eh, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I, just, I do. I think you're right about the the, the seeding, though. I, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to want to rest anyone I, I don't know it's so with, tough I don't really know especially with favors I could definitely see it because yeah. he's, he's a guy that's been injured on and off so much this season that why why risk it at this point um but uh with with, with hood I, I could see them trying to get him back into the swing in the, into the swing of things that's true I, I'm curious I guess it'd be interesting to see how their lineup plays out if favors is in fact real I think yeah. of the two favors is definitely more likely to be ruled out right yeah I, I would definitely think so yeah yeah all right the Wizards and Celtics we see Markeith Morris is expected to play. He's missed the last two games with an illness. And then on the other side of that matchup, Isaiah Thomas is a game-time decision. He's been held out the last two games with a knee injury. We've seen a little bit more Marcus Smart. We've actually been able to see a little bit of Terry Rozier, too. Um, if Isaiah Thomas is out, I think Rozier's actually a guy I really like at around the 4000 price tag going against a Wizards squad that uh, John Wall, pretty good defensively, but when he's not playing, we actually see a, a bit of Fanduel points going their way. 
Yeah, and, and with Marcus Smart then too, I think his price is pretty much adjusted at this point. Yes, where, yes, it is. Um, it's not like a, a great value there, but um, you know, if, if if Thomas is in, are you are you trying to play him, or is that something you're trying no, to? No, I would probably stay away from. I like, especially when the injuries are are there. I like to see at least one or two games where they yeah, stabilize, yeah. and that's a great opportunity for tournament people to take advantage of that and say, okay, you Get know, some what? low ownership, right? And, we'll, yeah. we'll roll with Isaiah Thomas. And actually, I felt like more often than not this year, we've done these podcasts and talked about injuries, and then that player coming off an injury does really well that night. It's always something I've been able to, I've wanted to avoid when putting together lineups. But in this case, if you want to go almost a contrarian, if Isaiah Thomas plays against the the Wizards tonight, it's not that bad of a move. Yeah, and I think I remember in recent, you know, Drogic was one of those guys who messed up his eye, but he came back and had a huge game. Right. So I mean, there's yeah, there's definitely potential with guys coming off injury, but it's it's definitely more risky and it, more of something you know if you're trying to get low ownership, trying to. Um, get a guy that no one else has, um, but yeah, I, personally, it's it's not a not a strategy I like to take. I was thinking of Kawhi Leonard too. Yeah, when, oh yeah, coming yeah. off the concussion, right. he had, a, had a huge night too. So it feels like at least lately the players that have been coming off the injury do really well. But obviously that situation doesn't unfold for every single player. Exactly. So yeah. Kind of kind of go at your own risk. I think that's not a bad tournament play if you were to be looking that way. Cause it's definitely a contrarian move. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, the Warriors Thunder, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. We're going to have a, a primetime matchup without the primetime player, Kevin Durant. I still think that he's not going to make really much of a, a difference, at least in the early rounds of the playoffs, uh, should the Warriors keep advancing. But we know for certain he'll be out for this matchup. However, that's the only injury really to note from that series of games. The Nuggets and Rockets see Darrell uh, Arthur going to be out with a knee injury. Danilo Gallinari will be out missing his third straight game with a bone bruise in his knee. We have Juancho Herman Gomez, who's going to probably be starting at the small forward spot if that's the case. And then we see Wilson Chandler will also be out with a groin injury. That means that Mason Plumley will get the start at power forward with Jokic getting the start at center. That's a big deal because the Rockets actually uh, struggle defensively against centers where they're pretty good defensively against power forwards. Yeah. Yeah, and just like that Hawks, that Hawks team, this is one of those games where there's a lot to target here, not only with with injuries, but also a, a great matchup and and big uh, a big over under spread. So I think you know with with Plumley, he he's had extremely extremely good stretch of games. I think his price has been adjusted a bit, but it's it's still you know it's still a decent decent look there. And you know we talked about Hernan Gomez probably starting at the three, but Will Barton's another guy that that might get some some added run there. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Final matchup of Monday's seven-game slate. We'll see the Knicks and Cel- uh, I'm sorry, Knicks and Clippers. Joakim Noah. We already know he'll be out almost all of the season. Actually, I think all of the season. That's pretty much been confirmed with a knee injury. Kristaps Porzingis will play with a thigh injury. He has missed the, I think the last game, or at least he gave minutes away for that. Uh, he practiced Sunday. Looks like he's ready to go. He might be one of those guys too that you want to target uh, as more of a contrarian move. But that being said, the Clippers have DeAndre Jordan at the center spot. Kristaps Porzingis has been playing at the center spot. <laughs> Not really a guy I like to target as a, as yeah. a guy to to use in those situations because DeAndre Jordan's a pretty good defensive guy. If nothing else, he keeps you away from the boards, and that's right. additional points. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really looking at Kristaps Porzingis with him playing, but he is out there. Diamond Stone will be a game time decision. He's been out last, feels like forever. Forever, yeah. Uh, with the knee injury, and he's not really a DFS guy anyway. But all right, we kind of broke down a lot of the injuries, so I guess I'll go right to it. Who is your favorite Buddy Heald lock of the night kind of play that you're looking at? Ben? Yeah, we we always talk about how important injuries are to picking DFS lineups. So um, I think my my locks here are probably Ersan Ilyasova and Rashawn Holmes. Uh, with Holmes, you know, Oak Four is probably going to sit out. Well, I, I shouldn't say probably, but uh, for, in my opinion, I think he's 
probably going to because you know it's the second night of a back-to-back and he's just coming off that that injury um but yeah Holmes should take on another pretty big work workload he's coming off back-to-back 30 point Fanduel showings you know he's still at 4800 that that's a great price for a guy that's proven you put up some points and then with Ilya Silva he's also still cheap 4500 he was starting for the 76ers earlier this season like I mentioned he was using those mid 5000 yeah so. and you like to use him I loved it yeah um so I, I think he's got great potential when he, when he gets that starters workload he's, he's a guy that can fill it up um and, and actually you know does some some of the other little things as well with rebounds and assists um you know in saturday's game against the trailblazers it looks like he played 27 minutes had 34 fando points you know so like i said with extended minutes he's a he's a fantastic play in my option they in both, my opinion i should say <laughs> well that's that's fine they both fit the criteria of we're looking for a buddy healed lock of the night yeah being under 5,000 probably closer to that 4,500 and under range so Rashawn Holmes is pushing it a little bit but Ilyasova fits right in there in fact I think if I had to pick out of those two it's definitely Ilyasova over Holmes I don't know if there's many other people besides those guys I mean we talk about maybe a Joe Ingles maybe a Joe Thomas that jazz situation worked itself out I think for certain Ilyasova is your guy yeah and then given that Holmes is a power forward listed on FanDuel that kind of sets in stone what you want to do for your power forward lineup. Again, it might be a contrarian move to actually go with just one of those guys, um, whether it be Ely Silver or Holmes. And that's kind of a, I think could be both a double up and a tournament play. Cause I really, I like Jokic a lot uh, going against the Rockets. Again, they struggled defensively against the center spot and he will be playing center despite a power forward listing. So um, yeah, I, not really many other buddy heel lock of nights potential, besides Holmes and Ilyasova. Yeah, I, I think that's a great power forward slate right there. If you can you can just start those guys in there, it gives you a lot of salary break up top. You know, they're, they're both guys yes. under 5,000. So that's huge for two guys who ha- are proven. Yep. So I, I think that's that's a great great way to go. It's funny to say Holmes is proven, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what he is for DFS-wise, at least. Right. He's a proven commodity, I, I guess. Especially when there was Okafor, Nerlens Noel, and Embiid all there. And th- those were the guys that we've always yeah. talked about. But yeah, Holmes has just been, he's been, he's been really solid. It's been impressive. Uh, DJ Trainer definitely called that one, at least for the FanDuel <laughs> reasons. All right, let's get to our would you rather question. I think it's a very intriguing one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, it's interesting that you actually did the same thing that I did when we were putting together the lineups. I guess, would you rather play both James Harden and Russell Westbrook or have no person in your lineup over $9,000? So Russell Westbrook and James Harden are the two highest-priced players on today's seven-game slate. Um, I think Russell Westbrook's in the 1300s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. I think he's 1300, 400, and then James Harden's 12,200. So that's a combined 25,000 to the two guard spots there. Um, Which direction would you go in this would-you-rather? I'd probably rather go with Harden and Westbrook. That's amazing. <laughs> I think there's actually, surprisingly in my opinion, I think there's a ton of value at some of the lower prices for tonight's slate. You know, usually we see that with those big slates, like 12, 14 games or whatever. Yes. Then, it's, mm-hmm. then it's more there. But even with this seven-game uh, seven slate, I, I think there's a lot of value there. You know, if you're ruling out everyone over 9,000, there's obviously some... St- some solid players available, but I feel I think you're still missing out on you know some of the big points that usually come from those top guys. Blake Griffin would actually be the highest priced guy at 8,700, um, and there aren't a ton of guys I really fall in love with below him. So I just feel like you need someone higher on the board, you know, that can actually guarantee you those big points like both Harden and Westbrook, especially when there's a plethora of cheaper options there. For context, I guess the 9,000 and plus players that you'd be missing out if you went under this would be Westbrook. Harden, uh, Jokic, John Wall, Kevin Durant, who's already hurt, and Steph Curry. So really, it's only five guys. I mean, yeah. to say 9,000 and up, it feels like a lot, but right. because it's a seven-game slate, it's only five guys that you're really missing out on. That being said, 
I'm going to go with the under on this. I'm going to use 9,000 and less guys um, simply because I tried to put together a James Harden <laughs> and Russell Westbrook lineup, and I just didn't like the results. I yeah. think there's a chance with tournament play that you could use the lineup that I constructed, which kind of featured a lot of well, the guys we've already mentioned, Holmes, um, Ilyasova, Ingles was kind of a guy I mentioned to put in there as well. Yeah, maybe Terrence Ross or something like that. Once, once you find out a little bit more who will be out who will be playing it, it makes it a little bit easier but given it's the start of the week kind of thing i just don't see that there's gonna be a lot of teams resting their players and that's kind of what you need to have in order to make this russell westbrook james harden lineup work it is tantalizing i will say that yeah. oh yeah it is very tantalizing you're right that's that is guaranteed points and those are the top two guaranteed points i would be stunned if there's even more than two people that score higher than russell westbrook or james harden today. right right they will be your two highest scores but at their prices I just don't know a way that you can make both of them work in your lineup. I, I think for, I'm surprisingly, you know, optimistic about the lower price guys tonight. You know, we, we did mention those two, you know, power forwards that I think are great. Yep. But I, I think there's some other guys maybe in that, you know, low 4,000s, low 5,000s even that, that you can slip in there and it's still still enough potential there for, for a tournament, um, you know, big time tournament um, type of victory, obviously. Sounds victory. like you got some guys in mind for I, your lineup. I, I definitely do have some guys. All right, in well, mind. well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And we'll right. get to the RotoWire Optimizer lineup as well. But first, a word from from our sponsors, Pristine Auctions. Ben, we've been talking a long time now about my love for autograph memorabilia. I'm in love with Pristine Auctions right now. We've got the David Johnson jersey. In fact, we got a different item over the weekend that I will Uh-oh. share with you we go. next podcast. A little bit of a spoiler, <laughs> but instead, we'll talk a little bit now about the items I like today. Uh, there's a Jadavian Clowney jersey for under $30 right now. I mean, number one overall pick, uh, that kind of gets the the money already up there. And the fact that it's under $30, I love that. There's even an Odell Beckham jersey under $50 right now. These are just daily auctions yeah. ending in eight hours or approximately that uh, at the recording of this podcast. There's great value on pristine auctions. I love the fact that you get them guaranteed to the, you know, the items are uh, been done effectively and appropriately and, and you can count on the legitness of these items. Yeah, so yeah. it's the great part. You can even bid on these items and you only have to pay if you win. That's the best part of this whole thing. So go check out Pristine Auctions, P-R-I-S-T-I-N Auctions. Make sure you let them know RotoWire sent you. All right, let's go ahead and check out the RotoWire Optimizer page. Um, the optimal lineup today, I, I kind of like it. I know you're a little bit more of a fan of it than I am, but that's not to say I'm knocking it all. Starting out at the point guard spot, we have Chris Paul going against the Knicks at 8,400, and then George Hill going against his former team, the Pacers, at 6,100. The RotoWire Optimizer lineup suggests James Harden. Not Russell Westbrook in there. It's just going with one of them. So James Harden going against the Nuggets at 12,200. And then his counterpart, Will Barton, going against the Rockets at 5,800. Carmelo Anthony is in the RotoWare Optimizer lineup, as he seems to be always. This time going against the Clippers at 7,900. And then Joe Ingles going against the Pacers at 4,200 is the other small forward in the RotoWare Optimizer lineup. Rashawn Holmes, Ersan Ilyasov, we both suggested them plenty. They're going against the Magic and Horns, respectively, 4,800 and 4,500. And then Mason Plumley rounds out the Rotoware Optimizer going against the Rockets. That's a huge thing with a, with a few of those guys injured. He's, the Nuggets need some bodies out there. So 6,100, Mason Plumley. He's adjusted price-wise, but he's in the RotoWire Optimizer lineup. Yeah, as a whole, I think it's really pretty solid. I, I, we like we said, we threw our two cents in on Holmes and Ilyasova. Love those picks. Um, Will Barton, Mason Plumlee. That's another game with those those injuries that kind of bring a bunch of guys that are cheaper into into the fold where um, they can still have some great production there. So I, I like that the the optimizer kind of located those injuries and still found guys that had some some serious value there. Um, and then you know, if I had one gripe, it's probably Joe Ingles. 
Um, we mentioned before, I, I get that he's going to start, get around 30 minutes in place of Hood, but he just doesn't have that upside that I'm looking for. You know, he, he often gets stuck in the, the, the upper teens, low 20s. Yeah. There's just not that upside there that you like to have, um, especially in like a tournament setting. So if you're paying down and you want a, you want a guy that could still you know, blow up, but I just, I just don't see that with There's with not angles. a lot of upside. I'll give you that. But for 4200 to get a guy that's in the upper teens, lower 20s, that's five times the value right there. And that's, that's kind of what you're looking for as almost a pump play in this situation. That being said, I'd like to know more if, if in fact, they want to go big or if they want to go yeah. small. Because the Jazz, when they've decided what their lineup is, they don't really fluctuate too much with what they're looking. So it's going to be a game that I'm watching prior to tip-off to see what really comes out. Um, that being said, the Royal Optimizer lineup, I, I think it actually is pretty good. It's definitely a double-up heavy lineup, which, yeah. which most times it is. I mean, right. it's not really anything different. I really like the George Hill play, if I'm going to be honest. I mean, going against the Pacers, DJ always loves a, those revenge games. I'm not sure if it's really a revenge game <laughs> at this point. We're so deep into the right, season. Right. Um, but he always suggests those, and I, I kind of live by that as well. I think, especially in not really a meaningless game, because both are fighting for playoff opportunities and seeding, um, but just doesn't feel like there's a lot that's going to happen. And those games always have like some quirky thing. Right. And I think George Hill getting like a 26 and six could be that quirky thing. And that's fantastic if he's going to get 6,100 for his price tag. So I like George Hill in that. Um, I also thought it was interesting. The optimizer suggests two players in the jazz pacer lineup and three from the rockets and nuggets lineup. So it's valuing that quite a bit. And I think that if at first glance you're not thinking the Jazz and Pacers are going to give you a lot of points, but in yeah. fact the Pacers are not very good statistically against many of the defensive spots, and the Jazz have been playing a little bit more up-tempo, and they have a little bit more value in the center uh, power forward spot, especially when Rudy Gobert is blocking like 13 shots a night or whatever. <laughs> so I, I, I thought it was interesting that the optimizer suggests that, and I'll be honest, it's also the way I have went with my lineup too. So I guess we'll get in, right into that now that I kind of led into it. Uh, ben, who do you have in your point guard lineup for your optimizer today? Yeah, so I'm going Kemba Walker, who is going up against the Hawks uh, at 8,000, and then Jameer Nelson, who is taking on the Rockets uh, for 5,500 with Kemba. You know, he's coming off a couple pretty brutal games. He shot 8 for 29 from the floor of the last two, so that, that's terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> on the other hand, though, you know, that's nice, though, because it gives you a nice little, little salary break. He's down about 400. Um, you know, I kind of want to grab him on the upswing. So that's something I always try and do is, is get a guy at their lowest price, catch them when they're, when they're on their way up. So I'm hoping for that with Walker. And, you know, despite being a playoff team in the East, the Hawks kind of give up a ton of points to point guards. I think they're yeah. seventh most on the season. And then even worse over their last five, they've given up the fifth most, um, you know, so at 8,000, I like what I'm getting there. And then with Nelson, he's one of those guys who's been really inconsistent as well. But, um, you know, he nearly triple doubled against the Rockets on Saturday. You know that that rematch tonight. So so we know he's he's been successful against that porous Rockets defense. And you know I love the over under. Obviously that's that's something I talk about. You know a bunch. Yeah, it's like two thirty or something yeah, crazy it's, like it's that. It's nuts. Um, so yeah, I think he offers a solid price as well for for a guy that can still fill it up in, in a great matchup. I get that Jameer Nelson did well against the Rockets last time out, but I don't want to pay for that price. And I guess at fifty five hundred, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean it's not like you're you're breaking bank on it. Um, at the same time, just something about using a guy like that in this situation. <laughs> I know that the Rockets did poorly there, but Patrick Beverly has to play better. I yeah. think at the point guard spot and. It all takes is two or three uh, steals from him, and now you're looking at negative six points from Jimmy Nelson. That really hurts <laughs> right, the line. Right. So, like, I just, I, 
I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm using Alfred Payton against the 76ers. He's at 7,300. And then George Hill, who I mentioned above at 6,100 going against the Pacers. Um, again, I talked about Hill. Don't really need to go over that more, but I like the Alfred Payton play quite a bit. At 7,300, I think he should be getting closer and closer to um, the line that we're seeing kind of with Kemba Walker, who should be higher. Like, I give you that. That's a good yeah, play. Yeah. Um, Kemba's has struggled recently, but I think that Alfred Payton might, by the end of the year, end of the year, get closer to that 8,000 mark. So I'm kind of buying low as well. He's been the triple double fiend before then, but he's seen a lot of success, I think, at least in the 35 to 40 Fanduel point range. And at 7,300, I'm betting that the, the 76ers won't be able to play him that well in a game that really is meaningless. We were talking about the Pacers and Jazz not being so meaningless. The 76ers and <laughs> the 76ers Magic, yeah, that's a meaningless game. So uh, fluky stuff happens. And I think Alfred Payton getting like 40 points. I can very well see that happening. Yeah, and Peyton didn't really peg me as a guy that can pick up rebounds, but you're right. He's he's a multi-category guy recently. He's he's had double-digit rebounds in, what is it, four of his last seven games. Yeah. Like that did not see that. And that's going to keep happening when the 76ers are missing shots. Right, You right. know? Yeah. I, so, so I like that play a lot, and I think... Yeah. There, I've been using him a lot frequently, and he's kind of burned me. But I, I don't want to stray away from a guy that I know has that triple-double potential. Right. And he'd be a great guy in a tournament lineup, too. Um, but there's just no way you could have him plus James Harden and Russell West. Yeah, that, that, that trio would be tough. So you'd be tough, probably have yeah. to forfeit one of those top guys. Right, yeah. So uh, going over to the shooting guard spot, we've talked about both of these guys quite a bit. James Harden going against the Nuggets at 12,200. I am going with just one of those guys. I, I couldn't find a way to get Russell Westbrook in there as well. So James Harden going against the uh, the Nuggets, who are one of the worst defensive teams against the shooting guard spot, that's a pretty automatic. And I think even if he gets, you know, fifty or sixty points, it's not great given his price. But you you have to put him in there. You just have to have him in your lineup. Um, yeah, he had forty points, ten rebounds, ten assists in their, their yeah. the previous game on Saturday against the Nuggets. And that's not going to happen again. Like you, you it probably you, won't. But that's like, not going to happen again. At the same time, you can't take him out for that exact reason. Right. Right. You, you can't it's have him such out. a good good matchup for him. And like we said that. It's going to be such an up-paced game with two teams that don't play defense, so yeah. why not? Yeah, I and I, I agree entirely with that, and I think that Tim Hardaway is kind of the same look um, going against the Hornets, 5,600. 5, I, I think that he's the scoring guy on that team. Paul Millsap being out actually probably benefits Hardaway almost the most. We talked about Ersan Elisova, um, but I think Hardaway is going to have to carry more of a scoring load. He's going to get those shots. Why not slot him in at 5,600? That's that's a, an automatic almost in my mind. Yeah, starting for Baysmore now that he's out. And the Hornets actually give up the fourth most, po- more, fourth most points to shooting guards on the season. So um, it's not it's not just that he's getting the added minutes. It's, it's that he's got a great matchup, yeah. too. And the price is right. So yeah. I think that's an that, awesome It all play. evens out. I mean, yeah. he's, I, if I'm putting together my lineup, I'm putting Ersan Ilyasova in there first, and then probably Hardaway second. Yeah, I, I love both of those plays. And I'm assuming that means that you're going both with Harden. <laughs> I'm also and, going both Harden yeah. and Hardaway. Won't get into too much more. No, I, um, but I, can you really go that many other ways? Like Batum is back and playing again. I always like to use him as a more of an upper mid-tier guy. But at the same point, the Hawks are actually okay defensively against shooting guard spots. Um, and I just don't really like using him in that sense. I'm not Jeremy Lamb, who was a guy that we like to target when Batum was out. He's not a guy I really want to go after. And if you're already using Harden, there just aren't that many good shooting guard options. Clay Thompson was another guy. Yeah, the only other two I think was a lot. Thompson and, and Barton, you know, Will Barton for the yeah, Nuggets. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. other than that, yeah, it's it's few and far in between. It just doesn't, it feels like it's, if you're not paying all the way up for James Harden, you're kind of getting the scraps of the, the mid-tier guys. And yeah. 
I would rather just go ahead and pay up either for Russell Westbrook or Harden and then figure out my lineup accordingly. Yeah, so I completely agree. At small forward, this is a place that I am not punting necessarily, but we're definitely going with the mid-tier options, which we've kind of learned is the way we want to go for double-ups. Um, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist going against the Hawks at 5,100. Otto Porter going against the Celtics at 6,200. Those are my two small forwards. I'm not a huge fan of the Otto Porter plan plan and play, if I'm being honest. I just... Uh, I like what he can bring in. And if we're talking about ceiling, he gives you a lot of that multi-category production. It gives me a bit more I can rest on, feeling comfortable to get close yeah, to that 30-point yeah. margin. Michael Kidd-Kilkers actually has a really good matchup against the Hawks, and he's been scoring a bit more lately. Um, as long as he's getting multi-category production, and we're talking about the rebounds more importantly, uh, yeah, he's not much yeah. a huge assist guy, but he's been getting a few more rebounds, and the Hawks really aren't that great defense against small forward, which is kind of surprising given that they've paid so much to Cephalosha and, and Bazemore in the past two years that you would hope to get more defensive production out of those two but haven't really um and kid gilchrist is a great guy to play i think too at 5100 yeah he's a, he's a defensive guy too you know so not only is the, the rebounds and points available but he's got blocks and steals like he had four blocks just a, just a game ago and he, he's done right. that in the multiple past times. yeah no I'm, this year multiple times right. this year so yeah he's definitely a guy that i like with a small forward i'm again not a huge auto porter fan but salary wise he's kind of the last one to work out i was caught between who I wanted a point guard to pay up for or small four. Those were the last yeah. two. Yeah. And I chose to pay up for point guard and Alfred Payton. Thought that was a little bit more of a, a high risk, high reward play than whatever options I could find at small four. So who did you have at small four? Is it, is it different than, than what we're looking at here? Yeah, so I'm going uh, a little, little higher price with with Carmelo. He's actually not extremely expensive, though. He's only 7900 so that's down a little bit from what he's usually at. Um, I mean, he's almost always going to get his shots, so yeah. he's a guy I'm fine with putting in there on any given night. He gets rebounds, too, so I, I think there's enough upside there, especially at you know 7900 price where – um, I think he can start putting up some some monster lines that he had in February. Like I've looked at his game log, January doesn't look that. Or uh, I should say, not January. Yeah, March. don't don't start going that far back. I mean, man, no, uh, March, we're trying to get yeah. to summer. Yeah, we, <laughs> we're trying to get to summer. Don't we're, go we're back. We're almost on me. there. Okay, no, but his his March game logs haven't haven't been fantastic. But if you if you look back to February, he was the end of the end of the month. He was he was fantastic. So I'm, I'm looking for hoping hoping he can you know get back to that. Um, with that that pick there otherwise i'm going terrence ross um he's my cheapest player which obviously brings its risks uh, you know um looked extremely good when he first joined the magic after the trade lo- deadline but mm-hmm. he's kind of fallen off a little bit but i, I just that price you know 3800 it's fantastic for a guy who who you know is going to get you know a ton of minutes he's, he's a 30 minute player he's starting um if he's not hitting shots it's not really a multi-category guy so that's where the risk comes in there and that's why he's priced so low but you know if he, if he starts to fill it up that's that's a guy in a tournament setting it is a great play i i would rather have a guy like joe ingles if we know he's starting as opposed to terrence ross it's a 400 hundred dollar difference which um isn't really anything to scoff at because the way fanduel has a price today there's a really big cutoff from mid-tier guys to cheaper mid-tier guys. Right, right. That makes sense. Or mid-tier guys and high-priced mid-tier guys. Like, there, you see that drop. And you kind of have to pick and choose. Like, I, I'm going to be surprised if most people don't have some leftover money. But that's just how today's game looks like. So I would still rather have Ingles over um, Terrence Ross if we know, in fact, that he'll be starting. I, I think that I, would, I know I'm going to get 20 to 23 from Ingles. If he's getting I, I thirty minutes think, a night, I still think uh, Ross is the higher upside, the higher ceiling. He may be not yeah, as consistent no, that. in that like low twenties. I just think he has such a higher upside. Uh, you know, if he does absolutely go, I off. agree with that. Yeah. and I and I, I agree. But I'm paying four hundred not for the upside, but 
more of the, the floor. True, like, yeah. I know what I'm going to get with Ingles, and I don't need to get anything more. It's yeah, it's probably like, the, the difference between double up and, and tournament, though, yeah. too, as well. So I think that could be flip-flopped in, in, for that reason. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at Power 4, we've been talking about these guys uh, pretty Agnosium, at least this whole podcast. I'm going with Rashawn Holmes, Ursan Elisova. I know you're going the same way same too. Thing. Yep. It's just you, you can't really pivot away. And I tried. Like I, I want to get Jokic in there. Um, again, Rockets really aren't great defensively against centers, but you couldn't really find cheaper players in a better matchup who are getting a ton of minutes. Like it just it's simply put that you almost have to play those you're, two yeah, guys. You're losing value if you're not playing yeah. these two. In, in my opinion, I, I think that's that's exactly what I think. Yeah, that's so I to me it felt like I was kind of like I had to go there. Um at least Ilyasova was an automatic play for me because we know that Millsap's going to be out. Um again, Holmes is probably automatic as well so long as we know Julio Okafor will be out too. So, we both want power forward right. spots there. Yeah. Kind of easy enough to make sense there uh rudy gobert is gonna be my rounding up my lineup he's a guy i've been targeting a lot at center recently uh, going against the pacers again you wouldn't expect that matchup to be a, a, a good one for fantasy purposes but in fact yeah. the optimizer liked that pacer jazz matchup i like it quite a bit i have george hill and rudy gobert at 7900 um he's the second highest price center which i don't really like to pay up for when we talk about centers but at the same time the guy gets so many darn blocks and that just adds a different dimension both to the defense offensive thing, but also FanDuel-wise, giving those blocks is a really big difference maker. If he's getting the rebounds, which I'm assuming he will because the Pacers yeah. don't shoot that well, um, and getting just enough points, that blocks adds a real big difference. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the lead centers in the league, so he, he's a guy that's a double-double threat any any given day. Like, three of the last four, he's had almost... Yeah, he's had double-double in three of the last four, almost 20 rebounds a couple games ago. Yeah. Like, this is a guy that can just rack him up. And it's kind of why I'm going with DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Right? That's another yep. guy yep. who... And I looked at him too, yeah. Yeah, who has that, that high floor because of those those rebounds. And it looks like he's had a ton of, ton of I think, five of his last six or something like that, um, rebounds-wise. But yeah, it, Jordan's played extremely well of late. All and, of the top-tier centers are priced kind of accordingly. So it's yeah. kind of like pick and choose. And it sounds like we're going with the same kind of reasoning for it. Right, right. And I just... The Knicks too against against centers aren't 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 that great. So I think that helps especially with Porzingis. Too. Like yeah. that, that's where we use that last five games, last ten games tool on RotoWire to really flesh that out. Because you're right, right. the Knicks right. have not been very good defensively, and that's you kind of see that fluctuate when Porzingis is out of the lineup and back in the lineup. Yep. We're kind of seeing, like, Kyle Quinn actually is pretty good defensively there. When Hernan Gomez is playing center, he's actually doing pretty well defensively. But when we see Porzingis in there getting most of the minutes, that's when the Knicks seem to struggle. And DeAndre Jordan will take advantage of that. Oh, matchup. absolutely. Yeah, you, you have to think so. I, I, wouldn't even, yeah. I wouldn't even doubt a close to 20 rebound game for him. Like, that's that's how much I, I think he's going to have Who do you think gets more rebounds than Gobert or uh, DeAndre Jordan? I think I, I think Jordan would. Uh, Jordan typically does have more rebounds. I think yeah, Gobert's I would a, agree a better scorer. Um, but I, I think I would agree I, with I'd, that. I'd probably say uh, DeAndre Jordan. I think that Gobert gives you a bit more in the scoring and probably yeah, blocks yeah. category, but the difference is inconsequential when you're looking at $300. Right. I mean, again, it's pick and choose with your center options. Gobert is the second highest. I think Jordan's probably fourth or fifth, fifth highest center available. So, yeah, yeah uh, interesting that we both end up paying up, and we normally tend to stray away from <laughs> yeah. paying up for centers. Yeah. Yeah, all right, well, that, I guess it does it for us in the Rotowire Monday NBA DFS podcast. We'll be back again Wednesday, talk more DFS hoops. Until then, Ben, where can the people follow you at Twitter? You can get me at BenManDoingWork. Still the best Twitter handle at Rotowire, and you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Again, we'll talk to you again Wednesday. Thanks.